0: Hello everybody and welcome to this edition of the Hayes Talk podcast. Today I'm joined by Theodora Hello. and Zoe.
1: Hello. So firstly, a welcome to our new Year 7 listeners. Um, we hope you enjoy your time at Hayes and we hope to see some of you joining the Hayes Herald team.
2: As you know, Year 9 is a really exciting year because this is when you pick your GCSEs and not really, but it's basically like the start of your careers or what you want to do in the future. So, I think you'll probably be picking them in February, but don't stress about it. It's actually really enjoyable and yeah.
0: Yeah, and obviously uh, Year 10 is a big year. Uh, we've all started our option subjects and all subjects have now started GCSE courses. Also, Year 8, we haven't forgotten you. Um, welcome back and we hope you all have a great year. Now, there's something we'd like to talk to you about, which is the expansion of the Hayes Herald. Now, uh, a lot of it isn't confirmed yet, and we're still in meetings with SLT, various members of SLT, but we're looking to expand um, the newsletter to many uh, things, so Teodora is going to talk to you a little bit about that.
2: Well, we will keep the same stuff that the Hayes Herald we publish published fortnightly, but we're also planning on a website. And in this website we'll have articles that will be published quite often and they can be published by people like you, like anonymously.
1: And there's something else.
0: And we're also uh, looking to launch a YouTube channel.
1: So for our next topic, an earthquake in Morocco happened over the weekend. So, Jacob, what do you have to say about it?
0: Yes, well, it was a really powerful earthquake uh, with a magnitude of 6.8. And uh, more than 2,000 people have sadly died because of this, uh, with about the same amount of that injured, and 1,400 of those injured are very serious injuries. Um, so, Teodora is going to talk to you a little bit about what the King has had to say.
2: Um, king Mohammed VI declared three days of national mourning and ordered shelter, food and other help for survivors. This is because many people are spending a second night out in the open due to the magnitude of the quake being 6.8 and this was the one that hit Marrakesh and many towns on Friday night.
0: Yeah, it, it's really, uh, really severe and obviously one of the biggest quakes they've had. Since the 60s, I think, which when they had an earthquake that killed 12,000 people, um, aid has been offered to Morocco. Uh, Morocco has accepted it from some countries but denied it from others, such as Germany, for political reasons.
2: Also, um, in remote mountain areas, entire villages are reported to have been flattened and as obviously it is, it's extremely devastating for all the families and children and like, all the people living there.
0: Yeah, I, w- I was watching the news uh, just after it happened, and it was like, it was like the parents desperately searching through the rubble. Yeah, I saw that as well. It's it was just kind of heartbreaking to see yeah. that.
2: It almost feels like a repeat of the Turkey-Syria earthquake. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly, yeah. Except Obviously, in Morocco, I was uh, watching the news, and there was someone on there talking about how in Morocco, the houses are made more out of, like, uh, brick. Uh, whereas in Turkey, there's more steel foundations, so it means oh, it okay. just crumbles in on people, which means it's harder for people yeah. to survive long-term. Uh, Zoe, do you have anything else to add?
1: Um, I just think this is a really terrible situation. Obviously, as Theodora said, it's a bit of a repeat, and obviously it's just as devastating as the Turkey and Syria one. It's just upsetting to everyone's families. Yeah. Um, but let's hope for the best for the future, really. Yeah. Um,
2: some more facts about this earthquake and where the epicentre was. Um, it was in the High Atlas Mountains, which was 71 kilometres southwest of Marrakesh, which is a city with World Heritage status which is popular with tourists but tremors were also felt in the capital of Rabat which is about 350 kilometers away as well as Casablanca, Agadir and Essaouira. I think I said that right. <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, it's just we're seeing, I wouldn't say we're seeing them happen more often but I think yeah. it's just this year there seems to have been a few severe yeah. ones and obviously yeah. scientists are working really hard to figure out whether it would be possible to predict when earthquakes would happen, because mm-hmm. obviously, as we're going at the minute, um, we 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 have no idea when they come. They just hit, and it causes so much devastation. It's different to like the tropical storm uh, we saw heading for Florida and the state of Georgia in the U.S. over the summer, which was horrific and would have could have had the same effect, if not worse. But obviously, we can predict the weather, and we can't yet predict mm-hmm. what's happening beneath the earth's surface.
2: Um, some family members of people who have died, for example, Huda Utasaf, Utsa, Ut, has said that he, I have at least 10 members of my family who died. I can hardly believe it as I was with them no more than two days ago, which he told this to an AFP news agency. And that's just... That's crazy to think about it it's, because it's, ten family members
0: Could you imagine if that's that was, a lot. If that was one of us or, or one of you listening and it was just ten people who you were closest to just died to devastation yeah. you would feel. <laughs> we talk about some depressing stuff on the podcast Um, yeah and now it's time for mrs gordon's historical interlude yes
3: hello everyone and we're recording this today on the 11th of september which obviously you know the big event that happened on the 11th of september is the attacks on the twin towers which i do genuinely remember when i was 21 and i was working at croydon job center i remember watching it on the television in the staff room and i remember the note on the board where somebody had written due to a suspected terror attack but something Something that I read over um, the weekend, which I thought was really interesting, was that they've just actually been able to identify two more 9/11 victims. Something that I really wasn't aware of was that 40% of the people who really sadly lost their lives during the attacks were never actually identified, and their bodies have never been found. And those two people, the the names of the victims won't be released. They've actually been um, withheld, which I just thought was quite powerful and quite you know and quite moving, and just shows you what a profound effect the 9-11 attacks had on the world, and actually the world as we know it today. So, yeah, that's my historical interlude for today. Yeah, Thank you. Very interesting. The new rankings of the
2: universities have just come out, so we're just going to spend some time talking to you about that.
0: Yes, well, on Saturday, The Guardian published their full league table for the year 2024, and it, for the second year in a row, puts St Andrews, the university, in Scotland ahead of Oxford and Cambridge. So Mrs Gordon do you have anything to say? Well
3: these um, rankings are quite controversial aren't they? Yeah they are. Because they are not, it's the Guardian's view isn't it? Traditional one is the Times isn't it? It's the great, it's the good university guide and it's it's in coalition with the Times and you can buy it as a book and you can it, it's published in the Times every year but the Guardian have kind of gone a bit rogue and they've completely changed the way that they work out the rankings so instead of it being based on university teaching and all that kind of thing it's based on like experiences of the students isn't it and yeah. all those kind of stuff which means that mm-hmm. some of the rankings might be very different to the good university guide one yeah
0: yeah yeah i think the daily mail uh, published theirs earlier at uh, this yeah. weekend yeah. as well they're not always been deemed to be the most accurate source but i think they put lse at number one who the daily mail uh, yeah the Daily. they've got imperial college like imperial college imperial yeah. yeah there's all these the little uh, not the little ones but like they're more independent and not that the times isn't independent but like the less mainstream um sources often don't like always have the same ones at the top as the
3: yeah and it's really interesting because um if you look at the guardian league tables they actually if you look at what is known as the russell group of universities do you yeah. know are you so 24 mm-hmm. universities and they do you know how they got their name the russell group no they used to meet in a hotel off russell square and that's basically why they've become known as the russell group but a lot if you look at a lot of these top rankings in the guardian a lot of them are not russell group universities anymore so i'm not saying that it's (laughs) Wrong or right, or whatever, but a lot of people are actually talking about whether or not the Russell Group universities still hold the same weight. The same weight, um, because obviously, a lot of you guys will aspire to going to those yeah. kind of Russell Group universities. Mm. Actually, if you look at this.
0: Yeah, I guess after it's been, they've been around for years and years, like if they're the same members, there's going to be variation mm. over time and gradually standards slipping off some and other non Russell Group universities mm. coming up also just on the guardian because they break down each individual category uh, oxford and cambridge are still uh, rated higher for career prospects which kind of just shows the uh, weight just mm. saying you've been to oxbridge has
3: Yeah, totally, totally. But also, I suppose it's about if you look at some of these, it's about value for money, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's about kind of, say, for example, I don't know, what's number four? Uh, Number four
0: is LSE.
3: LSE. That is a Russell Group, isn't it? But for example, if you look at Lancaster or Aberdeen, Strathclyde, which is number 16, Strathclyde is not a Russell Group University. Yeah. Actually, are you going to pay all that money? If you look at that, where do you want that money to go to? Because going to university, today is phenomenally expensive
0: yeah. and actually so expensive it will prohibit some students from trying to go yeah and more than ever there's a debate whether it is actually worth going to university just because of the sheer cost of the fees and whether people should more and more are looking to pursue non-university um career choices
3: as a sixth form tutor and i've been sick i've been the tutor of the sixth form for donkey's years and last year was the first year that i saw more of my tutor group enter graduate apprenticeships than i did Mm. not great sorry degree based apprenticeships where you get a degree at the end of it then go to traditional university Uh, does it put you guys off does the cost make you think oh i don't know if i can afford it i don't
0: know if i want to spend that much money i don't think it has that effect for me i mean at the minute Mm. at least the student loan a program is fairly extensive which it gives you like 30 or 40 years to eventually pay off and I'm not saying I want to be in debt for 30 or 40 years (laughs) but I I do feel that it does kind of make it a possible choice still Mm -hmm. and obviously by the time we're off to university looking at the polls at the minute it's more than likely a different government uh, will be in power and uh, Labour Uh, has traditionally been more providing funding for education compared to the Conservatives.
1: Will it make you change where you universities that you look at? Possibly, yeah. I just think that it kind of depends how focused you want to be on like childhood dreams and things like that. Obviously some people they aim to go to Oxbridge like their whole life and then as soon as we get older and the prices have gone up it's like upsetting almost. So (laughs) I think it just depends how much you want to follow what you've... Dreamed of basically. It's interesting to say
3: that because in 2001, when I applied to do my history degree, I applied to one of the places I got an offer from and that I applied from was Huddersfield University, which was when I was applying, was an old polytechnic, really wasn't seen as being a particularly good university. But if you look at the university league table for history they've come out i think it was 10th it's something we yeah. really, they're, they're really really high in the it's rankings really cool. so it just makes you think doesn't it a university that was seen as being a sort of an old polytechnic maybe not one that you wanted
0: to aspire to go to actually has some phenomenal teaching going on so yeah yes, yeah definitely. and we are now very lucky to be joined by mrs duggan so Theodora is going to start by asking you a couple of questions
4: So what is your new role? So they've actually created a new role for this year. It's the Assistant Achievement Coordinator for both Year 10 and 11, so for the Key Stage 4. And it's a really exciting opportunity because it it allows me to see you now growing and developing into being young adults uh, and help guide you through those tricky GCSE years. Yes, yeah, so, uh, how do you feel about leading Year 10 and 11 through their GCSEs? I'm really excited about it, it's such a privilege. I mean, you're such delightful young people and it is such a tough time for, uh, for teenagers to go through their exams, such a lot of pressure in so many different ways, obviously you've got all of your academic pressure but then you've got social pressures as well and it's really important that you've got people that you feel safe with and that you feel you can turn to when you need that help and hopefully I'm that person for you. Um, what made you decide to step up to your new role? Okay, so um, I've been ahead of year uh, in two of my other schools and ahead of house, um, or tie, blue tie, as they called it, uh, at my last school. And so it's something I've always done. I've always really enjoyed the pastoral side of teaching, though I have a big passion for drama, obviously. Um, I really enjoy this side where you can help people grow and develop and just sort of really get to know them as individuals. Yeah, I think that's why. <laughs>
2: What do you think the biggest challenge is that year 10 or your 11 will face?
4: I think for a lot of you it's going to be the pressure that you put on yourselves. The GCSEs seem so daunting and there's so much to do uh, and it can be really frightening. And I think the important thing is that you learn um, that it's, sort of dealing with it day by day and not trying to think right ahead now, straight away to next year when you're opening your exam (laughs) (laughs) results. It's taking it step by step, building up and just do what you can when you can and not just be terrified by it. Just try and give yourself a bit of peace and quiet. I spoke to a year 11 on the very first day of term and I said, have you got any homework? She said, no, so I'm going to go home and start revising. And I said to her, you just need to relax. Have a little bit of quiet time to yourself. You don't need to pressure yourself quite so badly. Yeah, that does sound like a lot of us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
4: so how are you planning to support year 10 and 11? Um, I think one of the key things is having an open door um, so that you know that you can always come to uh, me or Mr Brockman or Mr Steele when you need us. Um, just knowing that we're always there and we will always find time for you. Even if we can't do it right there at that moment, uh, we will find time for you. You are our priority and we will do everything that we can to help and support you all.
1: Um, On to drama. What makes you
4: Drama Drama is so exciting. Um, I think for a lot of students it's because it's so different. You're not sat at a desk, you're not having to sit and write and you have a chance to sort of express your emotions. One of the big things for me is that I'm dyslexic and I had a very tough time at junior school. Um, people didn't diagnose it as readily back in those days and I was told a lot that I was stupid and I had to stay in at my lunch times and practice spellings and... and Then I found, I went to a drama club outside of school and I found something that I could do and people were praising me for and I said this is amazing, this is something I can can achieve in and ever since then I've loved it and I want to facilitate other students to have that experience where they can achieve something and and feel that they're worthwhile even if they can't spell.
2: (laughs) This is a bit random, but how many years have you been teaching?
4: I've been teaching for 26 years. Yeah, you're supposed to say you don't look that old, Miss, then. <laughs> you don't. <know.
0: laughs>
4: um, yeah, 26 years.
0: A bit of a random question that we've been asking everyone we're interviewing is, what Harry Potter house are you in?
4: I am absolutely 100% a Hufflepuff. We all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, without question. It's one of the
1: first teachers that hasn't said
4: Gryffindor.
0: (laughs) And if they haven't done it, everyone just goes straight for Gryffindor. Do they? (laughs) Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on.
4: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, so something that I'm very uh, excited and interested in that's going to be happening over the next several years, admittedly, Mm -hmm. but I can start looking forward to it now, is the Harry Potter TV show that they're making, which is scheduled for a 2025 or 2026 release date and I am so excited. We've got several Potter heads around this table and I I can't wait um, for the series to come out. So Zoe?
1: Um, we're hoping to see the return of some of the actors from the eight movies of Harry Potter. It's eight. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, So we could see the return of Tom Felton as Lucius Malfoy and we are hoping to see some of the other actors, like maybe Daniel Radcliffe playing as James in flashbacks, and anyone else that could play a part? Um,
2: I think that because it's going to be a series, they'll probably get into more detail, well, hopefully, because in the movie, there were some parts missed out, like some characters, like Peeves.
0: Yeah, the ghost, and um, was it also um, the elves, Hermione? uh, Yeah, yeah, there's one scene, yeah, um, yeah, yeah a program and that's never uh, mentioned in yep uh, yeah. yeah so um in other interesting and exciting news theodore is going to talk to you about uh ethiopia and what's uh, been going on there lately. so
2: you may remember in our end of year geography test we had to answer like an eight marker on like the nile and between egypt sudan egypt and sudan and like what each thinks about the nile so basically this happened like monday morning and egypt gets angry at ethiopia because um ethiopia fills the nile reservoir so basically egypt has voiced their anger after they found out that ethiopia had filled the reservoir at the extremely controversial hydroelectric dam on the blue nile the reason egypt is so like angry you could say is because the nile is one of their main water sources and the nile is obviously really important in all these countries but also sudan also relies on the nile however this hydroelectric like reservoir dam basically is really good for ethiopia as it generates a lot of their electricity which is really important for them because here it says that almost currently half of the one hundred and twenty-seven million of the population lack electricity. So this would really help them, but then it also affect the other countries. So yeah, that's basically what's going on.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, particularly if you have a if you're on, uh, not in year nine yet, or you've just started year nine, it's something you'll be learning about at some. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, and it shows how vital a water source denial is uh, yeah. for all the Saharan countries yeah Uh,
2: and how like versatile it is you know because it can generate electricity and like obviously agriculture and
0: obviously the electricity is like so environmental because it's just water running through a hydroelectric dam yeah it's actually really impressive what scientists have been coming up with Mm -hmm. um to try and save the world and it's yeah uplifting to think about all these new projects and ideas it's just so inspiring so talking about the environment, uh, over the summer, uh, ULES, which is the ultra-low emission zone, was it standard uh, by London Mayor. So, Theodore, do you have anything to say about so, that? So,
2: this basically aims to improve air quality in London by charging heavy, polluting, smaller vehicles to drive on its roads. And London Mayor Sadiq Khan has expanded the area, sitting more london is dying prematurely of lung condition and at risk of developing dementia i actually didn't know that
0: yeah so it's been really controversial there have been protests it's, it's
2: what has been controversial a, like
0: a, a bringing out you less because oh. uh, obviously they're charging people who have cars so basically
2: oh yeah my dad was telling me about this
0: for a, a diesel car before 2016 you pay 12 pound 50 a day to drive it now
1: Aren't like they just drive it in London? Or for drive yeah. it
0: anywhere in London.
1: Aren't there, like, oh. specific, like, cameras and things like that, yeah. like, around? Because you see signs around on roads and things. Because I was driving home from somewhere the other day and I saw, like, a ULES sign. Because yeah. I think they have cameras surrounding different yeah, yeah. areas but now. They're, they're
0: gradually putting cameras up everywhere. Because wow. uh, my nan's car actually isn't compliant with ULEZ, so she's kind of gone figured out how she can drive everywhere through the country lanes no <laughs> cameras um, and there's been a big thing with the cameras actually because people have been knocking them off and destroying them like hundreds oh I think, no it, i think more than a thousand cameras have just been destroyed because uh, it was just people are yeah. so angry at having to pay this money but it, it was helping yeah. the environment and help air pollution then yeah for real it, it, it seems like the concept at least is a very good idea yeah
2: I think it might take some more time to like make everybody happy and figure how to work this but I don't know but I feel like people are slowly changing their cars to like electric cars yeah. or like half and half but is yeah. it
0: by 2030 the legislation says that you're not allowed to buy a new petrol or diesel car it will have to be for the electric. Wow that's good is really good but I think it's either Denmark or Norway I think it's Norway. I think it's more than seventy percent of their cars are electrical ready, and theirs is by twenty twenty
2: five. That's amazing, then. I know,
0: and it's just—it's been so much hope that we can actually save the world because yeah. the way a lot of countries are heading is not going to be that way. And mm-hmm. obviously, uh, with other countries just like starting to uh, like uh, develop, um, that obviously requires a lot of energy and. A, a clean energy is really expensive, which causes so many problems to the environment. But it's about the countries that are rich, like the UK, like the US. Yeah, to
2: make the and, change,
0: to pave the way, make yeah. it easier for everyone else. Because when the technology becomes more mainstream, it will become cheaper.
2: Yeah, yeah. but it, I guess it's also really hard to like change, almost like what you've been doing. Because like if you've always had that car and
0: like yeah, you know, to
2: kind of like change your ways and get used to like paying this new fee
0: yeah. and One of the people who was most against uh, the ultra low emissions zone was um, our local MP, uh, Bob Stewart, who was constantly tweeting how much he hated it. Um, But Bob Stewart, uh, we talked about in an earlier podcast, I think it was the second edition of the Hayes Fest. um, We talked about uh, Bob Stewart and the controversies facing him.
2: How much did they have to pay to drive around? Uh, £12 Twelve
0: or £12.50, £12. I can't remember the exact amount. With, like,
2: prices rising on yeah. and cost of living, yeah. it is...
0: It, it is going to take a hit. Like, if you can't afford to get a new car, yeah. you're driving that car £12.50 every day. Is, yeah. the, the, the costs are just going to keep adding up. And
2: if you work in London as well and, like, have yeah, to drive I think around. It, if it you will, don't take,
1: like, the it will definitely something. affect some people. I think, obviously, because there's quite a lot of controversy about people and this new ULEZ, Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think a lot of people won't like it. Although it's helping the environment, I think there will be a lot of backlash about it and things like that. But it should... You're kidding.
0: Oh my God. You can tell you we've been here, eh? It seems longer than normal. Um, but yeah, sorry. What was I saying? I can't remember. Uh, um, but, but yeah, the, the cost of living crisis is really bad. Yeah. Who cares Is although helping the environment, impacting on people's finances, which is causing yeah. a lot of problems. And sorry, just going back to Bob Stewart, which I mentioned briefly earlier. Um, I On the previous podcast, we said that he was going into court. Well, he's had his day in court. He's pleaded not guilty to racially aggravated abuse. And? Although there is a video of him, say, telling someone to go back to Bahrain. Oh. Um, but obviously you can plead how you feel and uh, it will be up to the jury and the judge to decide whether he is innocent or guilty, not for us to make a comment. And the court day is, I forgot to write it down, It's November. I couldn't tell you the exact date. It's happening in November. There's going to be one court day. They're going to make a decision. And if ultimately they find him guilty, he will most likely be forced to leave Parliament. Which will trigger a local election here in which it would be anyone's game. I think it would be a very tight race between the three main parties for who would win. And obviously, it would be really damning for uh, Rishi Sunak to lose another seat when they've already lost so many by elections and there yeah. are more coming up. It just shows that no one has any, sorry, an awful lot of people have no confidence in the government at the minute. And that's why if you look at the polls, Labour and. A lot of polls are predicting more than 450 out of 650 seats, and uh, you need 350 for a majority. Tories currently have more than 350 seats and you'd be looking at... Um, you. Tories currently have uh, more than 350 seats and a lot of polls are saying that they're, they get less than 50 at the next election, which just shows that people are yeah. done with them really. Uh, So, I think that's it for that topic. Yep. Yep. So, we're now joined by our uh, book reviewer, Emma, because we're going to be talking about the books we all read over the summer. Yay! So, Geodora, starting with you, uh, what was the favourite
2: book you read this Um, summer? In fact, I read quite a lot of fantasy books. I was in my fantasy mood this summer, but I think one of my favourite ones was a trilogy, and it was called The Prison Healer. And I've recommended it to all of you because it is so good. So basically, the basis of the story is about this girl, and she's in this prison, and she's been in this prison for 10 years. And then this guy comes along, and she has to do some trials to escape the prison. It's really interesting. And there's so many betrayals, plot twists. It's actually crazy. The plot twist of the first book, my mouth was shocked. I was shocked. Anyways, Jacob, what was your favourite book of the summer?
0: Okay, my favourite book... Well, actually, there are a couple I really loved, but they're all the same kind of genre. So I read Five Survive by Holly Jackson, who wrote the Oka Girls' Guide to Murder series, which I know, Zoe, you read over the summer. And honestly... It was just, it was really well written. Really? But it was actually rather scary. Like, they're in this caravan, and there's, like, people shooting at them. They can't get out of the caravan. And that may seem like I'm spoiling the book, that happens in the first two chapters. Wow. And I also loved reading You'll Be the Death of Me by Karen McManus, which was the same person who wrote One of Us is Lying. And it's the same kind of mystery genre, but it was just amazing. And, yeah and yeah
5: so Emma so I read I think one of the best things I read over the summer was The Hunger Games because I've been meaning to read them for um, and the I finally read them they're so worth it read them they're okay. so good you need to read the prequel you're <laughs> so good. I will read the prequel, and then I also reread a book called Forging Silver into Stars, which was my favourite book of the summer. It was amazing, and it is the fourth book in the series, the Cursebreaker series. Which
0: I myself, I read one of those.
5: Yes, you did finally, which is what we're going to be talking about today, I think.
0: Yes, yeah, so uh, going on to the Curse, uh, a Curse so Dark and Lonely, which is part of the Cursebreaker series? I read that at the beginning of the summer, and I know Emma has read all of them. Mm-hmm. And so, Emma, why
5: don't you start telling a bit about it? So, Curso Dark and Lonely, it's like a, based on Cinderella, but it's a really, really dark twist on it. And it's amazing. But, like, don't let that put you off because it's really good. It, it's the basis of Cinderella. I it's It, it is, but it's not Cinderella because it's not a, like a damsel in distress situation. Yeah. It's like, it's got the basis where she has to break a curse so that he doesn't turn into a monster. Yeah. But it's, it's not, she's not a damsel in distress.
2: Yeah, Tudor. Um, what genre is it? It's...
5: Fantasy, I guess. Fantasy, I guess, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I read the first chapter of the first book, like, <laughs> six weeks ago, <laughs> oh. and I know it, it's going to get better, but I read it, and it's from a different person's perspective. Read it. I know, but it's from a different person's perspective, really and annoying I was so... Like and that. you know when you're so invested yeah, in the girl. characters with uh, yeah, I'm book. telling it's you, like, so, so good the and, and, I, everything and, and kind of even if they're them. still in it it's like you don't want it to change perspective, exactly. and it kind of puts you off a bit yeah.
5: it might, but as you go in you see that like it does add to the backstory of that character
0: but also I have a basic underlining underline of the plot and from what you've said and from what I've read and it's not the plot I want So,
5: oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's not the plot you want, it's amazing and then the second and third book kind of like they follow each other like very closely um and i really it's like got a lot of plot twists in it which is like one of my favorite things in books
2: um does the second and third book still follow like the cinderella storyline or has that been solved in the first book and now there's some other problem
5: uh that is solved in the first book and then there's like another problem and then you go on to forging silver into stars which is set i think four years after the third book and i love it it's amazing Mm -hmm. i am in love with that book
0: i highly rate reading the first book as to the second third and fourth i'm not gonna comment uh but yeah fourth book is my favorite I love it so much Uh, So is going to talk to us now About our kind of TV recommendation
1: Um, So this week I wanted to Recommend a series uh, Which is Outer Banks And you can find it on Netflix And probably other streaming platforms as well Um, I think it's actually a really good thing To watch over summer Because it just really matches The vibe of summer You've got people surfing And they just live in a very sunny place in America uh, Which is called Outer Banks And it basically revolves around four teenagers who go on these adventures and, like, face problems along the way. And each season they have a different problem and adventures and everything like that. And it does sound quite childish, but it's actually a very good series and I really recommend it.
0: Um, So, yeah, actually, just one recommendation from me, which I know is not going to be very popular. Uh, It's a political recommendation. I've got to get it in there. (laughs) So, I have a fiction political recommendation and a, a non fiction political recommendation. Which are? Sorry, we'll have to cut out my right laughing. So, on Netflix, Designated Survivor is amazing. I have watched it six, seven, eight times. I don't know. I strongly recommend if you have any kind of incline towards society and politics. It's based in America, and it's the President, all the Senators, all the Congress people die in an explosion. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and the designated survivor, which actually I have found really interesting, we do have in the UK, can't remember who it is, it used to be Dominic Raab, but obviously he's no longer in Cabinet, is a cabinet minister who comes up and takes control and becomes president, and it's all about them rebuilding the political system. Uh, so yeah, it was really interesting. And then just kind of a non-fiction one. Um, obviously, last year we had uh, so much scandal with uh, Liz Truss. We, we had um, Boris Johnson and all of that. That. No, continue. And so it's a Laura Kingsberg show. The third, we're recording on Monday and the first one's coming out tonight, but so I've only watched trailers for it. But you, it looks so good. It's on BBC Two at nine PM every Monday. And <laughs> you continue. And it's um, And it's about um, everything that happened. It's really good if you're kind of interested in politics but you don't know a lot about it because it's kind of explaining the basics of how the UK uh, works in that regard. So, yeah. Sounds interesting. Thank you. So, thank you so much for listening to this edition of the podcast. And we have so many exciting plans for the future, which we told you about at the beginning. So, be sure to get involved also. Uh, not in the last newsletter, but in future editions of the newsletter, there will be a form for you to fill out so you can apply to come on and tell your story on the podcast. So we're, we're, we're elevating your voice, which is what we're here for. Yeah. And so uh, without further ado, it is goodbye from me.
1: It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.
0: We are produced by Emma praia Volcanus and Mia Harper and edited by Kit Carreri.